fuckers off me, you damn dirty ape! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TGIF. Thank God it's Friday episode here on the Weird Science DC Comics feed. I'm here with my man, Eric Shea, as always. He's about to get ape. Oh, my goodness. You got a monkey around, are you? Oh, geez. We were just talking before we started up, like at the last second, about seaweed soup. And and you said, I said, seaweed soup, that sounds ridiculous. And you said to me, ah, you'll see somebody on TV and you'll get intrigued. Maybe. But yeah. now that I'm looking at it, $8 for seaweed soup. The hell with that? What am I, a Rockefeller? I mean, I'll just go out and grab some seaweed, you know? That's like the idea that they sell, like, dandelion soup. I'm like, really? I'm going to pay you for, for you doing a little well, gardening? Well, I know you're not picking those dandelions, you lazy well, bastard. Well, that's true. I haven't seen a lot of dandelions you don't uh, go out. recently. Well, that's true. They might end They're up eventually. Where well, are they? Well, they might eventually be here in this. This is like life after people yeah. in this basement. But, hey, it might happen. But, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Since you're listening, you're all weirdos. And before we jump into this, remember that you can go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us. We'll follow you back on the Twitters. And then go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com, to read written reviews of all these books that we're going to talk about tonight, which we're going to do three. Three books, Eric. That's not a plethora. And then also go to our what Patreon. Patreon.com is just three. Handful? It's a few, handful, few, few yeah, words a me. gaggle, I don't know, but go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get a, a bunch of uh, shows, a bunch of exclusive shows, including our weekly spotlight badass picks deal. Oh, is that it. what it's called? No. I think it is. The badass levels of the Patreon, they get to pick what books we're going to talk about on that show. And they ended up picking such hits this week as Multiversity Teen Justice number two and Nubia Queen of the Amazons number two. It was a night for number twos. <laughs> they were. But we had fun talking about them as we always do in an episode Zilla. that was like a, an hour and 15 minutes. Now, you talk about that because one of the big reveals at the end of the Nubia Queen of the Amazons book is there's a cliffhanger where the character Zilla, who barely was ever around anyway, shows up as the deal and Nubia yells, Zilla. And I said I had done research, and I looked up that that was Nubia's daughter. Right. We talked about this at length on the show. Afterwards, only because while I'm editing it, you keep saying, like, I didn't see anything of that. And I did. I ended up seeing a bunch. But then I thought, I'm relying on a lot of people that I should. So I did look into it, and I did see that Stephanie Williams, the writer, not coming out and saying anything, but anybody who mentioned that, she would retweet and favorite. So okay. I'm going to go with that. Like, I got worried. I ended well, up that's like, the thing mm. is, when we saw Zilla as a little girl in the coronation special before, you know, Nubia actually died and became, you know, reborn in the Well of Souls with the Themyscira, for some reason, I just got the impression she was a little girl in the village that loved, you know, Nubia and like, oh, I wish you would take me hunting. Oh, next time, little one, you know, stuff like that. For some reason, it just seems like a rambunctious little girl in the village and not actually her daughter. Now, just at the end, though, yeah, you would want to have some connection, not just like, right. oh, my God, that's that, oh little, my God. that's that little scamp from the village. Zill? You're my neighbor three doors down's little girl. Yeah, I can imagine like somebody that you grew up around, like your neighbor back when you were eight, all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, Eric. They're like they wouldn't remember you, so that probably is the Big deal. Thick glasses, fat kid, they would remember yeah, me. Yeah, they're like, oh my god, hide the food. Yeah, ended oh. up though. That's shaming. Eric. Ended up though. I I did get a little worried when I was listening to it because I was really making at one point like really making a stand here of it, and I said I didn't really know it was other people saying it, but I did look into it. I actually was going to 
uh, tweet out to Stephanie Williams just to make sure. But I saw some other people of her. But she's keeping it tight. She's keeping it tight to the vest there. She doesn't want to, you know, ruin everything, I guess. We'll have to see. Make your cliffhanger mean something. I say all this next month. We're like, nope, it wasn't her. But we'll see. But we have three books, none of which has Zillow or Nubia in them. But we have. I didn't look too hard in the background. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that there's any sort of theme for tonight. Well, we do have one. We're going to get a little ape here with the monkey prince. Finally, that works out. Finally, I said to you at one point that one of the rules originally of the TGIF, thank God it's Friday. I wanted it to be that if any book had a ape or monkey in it, we would have it on the podcast. We kind of pushed that aside because at one point you did have Detective Chimp showing up in like some of the bigger books. So we ended up, eh, let's push that. But this makes that sense. And the badasses have picked Monkey Prince almost every time for the badass spotlight. Yeah, so we have Monkey Prince, Poison Ivy. And Batman Killing Time. Batman Killing Time makes me feel like a chump. I mean, or chimp. It does. I, when we get to that, that'll be the last one we talk about. I was really looking forward to this issue because I did see a bunch of people talking, a bunch of reviewers saying that, oh, my God, this is the issue that finally makes everything make sense. Everything comes together and the pacing, everything's great. Uh-uh. I read it. I'm like, what you talking about, reviewers? I mean, I, I was Arnold. I'm like, well, what's going on? Because I thought it was worse. But we'll get to that. In a little bit. I started because. skipping pages because for page after page, nothing is happening that's crucial to the story. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't realize or wonder, actually, because I ended up having some computer problems. I had to reinstall Windows. I was doing all this. In the meantime, I'm reading, but also telling you, OK, I'll be ready at this point in time. So I go to read. Boy, that issue took me. It, I, it was killing time. It took me forever to get through. I was just about to tell you. I need a little more time. I didn't, and I squeaked in, Eric. I didn't want to have you make fun of me, but I did squeak in. But I'm with you. I, I had some was. problems. I had some problems getting through some of that in the deal where, oh, my God, like not only does this not make the series make you know any more sense or whatever, but you also have this issue itself have almost the microcosm of the entire series of pain and suffering of me reading through it. But. Again, that's the last deal. We'll start with something a little more, I guess, all ages until you start mentioning venereal diseases. It's, it's very Isn't odd. For all ages? I guess it might be. I don't know. I think that's a little sus there. But what are we talking about? Monkey Prince number six, written by Gene Wen Yang, with art by Bernard Chang, Marcelo Mayo, and Janice Chiang. And for our Monkey Prince number six, if you remember, we are in Amnesty Bay, home of the Aquaman, where you know, uh, Marcus is gone to live here with his parents after we had to flee Gotham because shit went bad. And like every time we have something new going on with the Monkey Prince and his parents, his parents who are hench people for the, you know, the DC Universe's biggest bads, they have to unlock a demon and something. But since it went so wrong last time and every other time we've seen it, whether that's in the future or not through things like the Festival of Heroes and Monkey Prince number zero, they have the bright idea. We're going to put this demon, we're going to unlock it, but we're going to put it into a shellfish or a crab or some th- nonsense like that. That's this way. It won't be as dangerous. And it's such a weird idea because Black Mana seems like the kind of guy he wants what he wants, but he lets them go with this whole idea and lets this happen. Like, and on top of unlike like loosening, what the hell's the word I want? The uh, letting this demon out and putting it into this crab. Like on top of all that, we've also created this device that allows you to control this demon shellfish. I'm like, well, I don't know how you did that, but that seems pretty fucking handy. And immediately when Black Man takes this, yeah. Well, that's the thing is. 
The MC Bay Police might be a crack shots or just have the worst look in the world because as soon as Black Mana enters the MC Bay, like, fear me, assholes. The police show up and just shoot one thing. Like, you destroyed my device. I'm like, it was the size of, like, a knife. Yeah, these police officers are like Barney Fife. Show, like, you don't even get that they're, like, a, a crack shot or really good. They're just Amnesty Bay police officers, which you do have in the regular runs. Yeah. You know, some pretty big characters that you could have uh, had. Arthur's one of his best friends. Eric is a part of the, the you know, the Amsterdam Bay police. I'm surprised you didn't have that. She's still watching Saldy. But yeah, you have these bumbling cops who come in and just like freeze and shoot and then done. And nothing really becomes of that. There's this issue itself. And we have said that we were looking forward to it. If anybody hasn't heard, because a lot of the episodes, oh, a lot of the issues we talked about we're on the Patreon. We're on the deal. Kind of maybe you want to go read or listen badass to them spotlight. then. But yeah, the badass spotlight deal. But yeah, you can go to Patreon and listen to them. But starting off, we were really, you know, excited about this because me and you did like the couple things that we had. The preludes to the series kicked ass. Which one of them you end up, you know, referencing here, which was kind of cool, but not enough for me and kind of throw some things. But when we started this, we were real excited. And then it became this idea. This is obviously a little out of continuity, gets more and more, but it's also very cartoony. The character depictions of the heroes are very much like, you know, kind of the tropey versions, which I don't mind because of the idea. No, I do mind, but I don't mind normally. That's something you will find in an all ages book. And so when you get an all ages book, if this was that, if you can convince me of it, you end up where younger kids who never read, they get the classic black manna oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna get you arthur here i come atlantis but you veer away from it at points especially at points when you're going man i heard it's not great to have crabs that's too much it threw me off there but it's in this, it's, it's I, i'm telling you a, a seven-year-old who's getting that well, and you find is, that you're you not gonna that like that idea and the thing is the seven-year-old they're not gonna get that joke are they that's gonna go right over the head just like any great written cartoon series no it's not that great because it's one of those where it doesn't really fit, and it's just, I didn't like it. Calm down, Prue. In the first issue, they were talking about smoking pot. I mean, it, uh -huh. it really was thrown off for a young a kids, but that's not for seven-year-olds to do this. Also, I've seen Jim Gordon smoking a pipe. Yeah, he's got a pipe. Not, not in this. But yeah, you end up where I don't know that you're really serving anybody with this book, then. You, you want to make these little crack and wise, but you're not getting any sort of real continuity, but also you're not getting much of a story now. All it is is, hey, we'll head to Amnesty Bay. Last issue, we'll have... We got ourselves a black matter job. Trench queen? Trench princess? No, trench king and the half-breed daughter of the trench king. That's kind of pushed aside a little. That kind of comes back into play here when she show shows up. Yeah, yeah, stupid. And uh, yeah, so in this, it's black mana. He's, but nothing really is going to happen. <laughs> and then when the weird play, by the end of this, we're going to... It's on hiatus till October in the middle of a story. This isn't the end of an arc. It's very odd. I don't know what the play here is, but it's not doing very well. But it really is and something that we were upset about. It has been just this scavenger hunt of let's go to the next city. All right, yeah. we're here. So what are the heroes there? I mean, it really does feel like a like a Scooby-Doo cartoon when they end up. If Scooby-Doo goes into Gotham, of course, Batman and Robin are going to show up. If they went into Amnesty, of course, you're going to have it. And so when you get that, it's almost like it's on the verge of, okay, I kind of like this, but I don't. And at the end, I just get frustrated. When uh, Marcus becomes the monkey prince, it becomes a situation where he gains a lot of confidence and almost like he becomes a different person altogether. And I like to see the transformation of him into that here. 
And even the idea where he overcomes his fear of water, because he's an amnesty, but he has to go underwater and do some stuff. But the way we're getting around this whole thing, because when we got, like, even in Gotham City, when Penguin was, like, you know, possessed by this Chinese demon, the idea was, I have to eat me a champion and gain immortality, stuff like that. So the idea became one of the greatest champions in Gotham is Batman. I'm like, well, that makes sense because it was the Penguin. That's what the Penguin knows, even though he's possessed by a demon. When we get to Amnesty Bay and Shilastria, the half-breed daughter of the Trench King, which doesn't make any sense because we have a Trench Queen, the idea is, oh man, the Chinese gods are back and stuff like that. And the idea, we need to eat ourselves a freaking hero. So it seemed like because of Shilastria's information to her father about the whole thing, it seems like Marcus is on the menu for what's going on. But when we get to this issue, we have all of these trench around their trench king. Okay, everybody, gather around. We're going to eat. And you're like, yes, food, food, food. And like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to attack Atlantis and eat the Aquaman. I'm like, what? Why does Aquaman have anything to do Only with this? Only because they discovered a spy out of nowhere. That, that's that's why it's so I forced. don't know what happened because the thing is, it seemed like we were like, you know, oh my God, you just, you discovered a Chinese Looks champion demigod. Like they were demigod. waiting for him. They were waiting and for him to come. I don't understand why we're going to go to Atlantis now where Aquaman is still king with Queen Mara by his side. And like, we're going to eat that Aquaman. I'm like, and on top of that, having the demon aspect before the demon wanted to eat a champion, but now it's in the body of a crab being ridden by a black mana until it's, you know, taken away. And I'm like, what happens to that demon then? Because that has to go underwater. And the like, book this has is lost still its eat. way. It's lost its way. And the, the idea of this being forced is that, okay, we're going to get that that champion. We're going to get that. Oh, wait a minute. We just found a spy of Atlantis. Oh, down with Atlantis. Why would that change anything with Atlantis? You're already against that. Always thinking with your stomach. Always hiding and always, you know, and that. And the thing that plays out here that's crazy is, you know, Shellistra or Shellistria, whatever her name Shellistria. is, could be a really crazy, like, tie between the service world Atlantis and the Trench, the way that this all plays out. I don't out. understand. Did the Trench bang a woman? I don't know. And But isn't she's almost the Rosetta Stone of this whole world here. She's the half-breed daughter, and she could turn in the Trench face, but other times she could turn in the human face. I'm, like, I'm telling you, you, I know that it's completely accurate, but every time you say half-breed, I kind of shake my head, but that's Look, what she I is. I understand it makes me cringe, but that's the way they described it in the last issue. It is. That's how it's described. But legitimately, like I said, first off, I mean, she really goes goth. She's at the Hot Topic. She's there. If you could make friends with her, this could finally bring peace for the Trench Service World and Atlanta. She is the tie. Honestly. I don't really want peace with them trench face monsters. She can bring balance. Yeah, really. It'll never work. I mean, look, let's just nuke the trench. I know everybody loves the ocean and stuff like that. Let's just put a nuke well, down there. Well, then you the become trench. friends with her. You got to nuke something. You can get an inside info, right? There, yeah, you got to nuke something. So it, it's kind of a weird play in one issue to the next of, oh, no, you know what? Black mana is more important and fun than the trench. And then it's like, okay, the trench, you guys get aside, you guys attack Atlantis, but we'll do the champion stuff with black mana. But not even that, because he does get a hold of this. His mom and dad end up helping this. They seem to be able to just make black magic. Like, here, here's a device to control. When the police end up shooting it, because while that's going on, Marcus is trying to kind of get to, you know, he's in school. He's trying to open up a bit. He's trying to make some friends. Hey, fellow kids, is anybody sitting at this lunch table? Yes, they are. Move along, Mama Marcus. Oh, it's going to be one of these years. I'm telling you, he said, my name's Mama Marcus. He went over because he saw a guy had some Jordans and he's a sneakerhead. I'm telling you right now, what did I warn you? 
I told you that Amnesty Bay was the worst place in the DCU. I told you that they were the worst, and you know they are. You're talking about like villains and stuff like that. I think the people are the worst. I'm telling you, remember when we were talking about the shop owners and like, hey there, and I'm not even going to say what. The whole idea The manager of the grocery store and Jeff John's Aquaman at the beginning of the New 52 and also the shop owner during the time of the old gods. It was Kelly Sudeconic's run. Yeah, we have some terrible, terrible people in Amnesty Bay. They were all racist or pretty much rapist, handsy people. It was awful. Now you see, you know that one of those kids that yells at Marcus is uh, one of the kids of one of those awful people. The kid just comes Hello, over. Mama Marcus. Yeah, hey, my name's <laughs> Mama. Ma- my name's Mama Marcus. Is that seat uh, taken? Yeah, it is, pal. Well, school's for learning, Jim, and I hope that Marcus learned never to freaking do that with his name again. I was hoping that he was learning. He didn't, but he, he you know, hoping he'd let these guys die. He does save the one guy. And that's and the, the best are- part about the issue, though. You have Marcus sitting here realizing, oh, it's going to be one of these shitty years where I have no friends again because he just blew his opening line with a group of people at the lunch table. But when this giant crab demon attacks the high school, he makes sure that everybody gets pushed aside and to the safety, I mean. And the idea is like he is facing this thing head on, says Bien transforms into the monkey prince and takes on his responsibility. He's like, yes, this is the monkey prince that I yeah, want to see. And if they saw this, Eric, which they don't seem to, Teen Wolf we got. We could have it all. You end Look, up where I, I don't care what you say. Teen Wolf doesn't happen in real life. <laughs> you end up where Marcus is like me. And not the TV show, the 80s movie, as far as anybody's concerned. Little Jimmy was, uh, you know, rocking a Brag and Dragon shirt in an Izod world. That was my biggest problem. I remember I got these shirts. That's not your Sears biggest problem. Because we ended up having a Sears surplus in Quaker Town, yeah. so you can get things. Not only were you getting the Sears stuff, but it was all <laughs> the underpriced stuff. I go in, I'm thinking, nobody's going to notice. I got this dragon. It's not an alligator. Yeah, they noticed there. They might as well went, hey, Marcus, get out of here. I always, every new year, I really thought this was going to be the year. I didn't even have to change schools. I just thought suddenly people, because I was easy to forget. So the next year, one of these years, I'm going to come in and it's like, you know, he's all that. All of a sudden, they see the beauty with them. They never did, Eric. I was so upset. But then again. Because you don't have any with the inner beauty either. And then I like sit down and then I want to fight everybody. You know, the beauty within. Uh, but sports changed that. I will tell you that did. And then when I went to the uh, I went to college, the WVU, I found out that if you're in a band, all that gets wiped away, Eric. But you end up having this. And then all of a sudden, with all that going on with, you know, Marcus, he transforms. We really like it when he does. I want it more training. But in this issue, you progress. You actually, you know, the training time is probably come and gone. But with this, he has afraid of going in the water. So you end up having Shifu Pigsy give him a little story about his father, the Monkey King, and how he was able to overcome some fear. Though I'm with Marcus, I kind of didn't understand a lot of the story kind of oh, relative dude, this to whole it. idea about the Monkey King overcoming his fear of death and going through these trials and at one point being put like, you know, trapped under a mountain for a thousand years until they needed his help. The idea is just. At one point, he was also given a magic staff, but somehow all of this stuff, the story, I don't know how he overcame the fear of death at all. I never got the point of the story. Marcus but we have like, this story. he doesn't even understand it. I didn't either. Well, at the either, end but... of the whole story, though, it's like, okay, this is how you have your father's magic staff right now because it was given to him through all this nonsense. And as the story progresses, as we're beating the crap out of shellfish demons, we also have what... <laughs> I've never seen before Dragon Town, you know, old Chinese Dragon Town in Atlantis, where a bunch of dragons are just sitting around playing freaking chess. But the idea is one of them 
at one point had this magic staff. He was trying to tell his master not to give it away and stuff like that. And the master hit him in the eye with it where a piece actually broke off into his eye. And now that Marcus is down underwater with this staff, his eye is now glowing, giving him a headache. And I don't know what happens where it like, you know, it seems like shit grows, grows out of the ground, though. But for some reason, I don't understand how any of this happens from what we've been told. But also, when the background of the whole thing from issue number zero where Darkseid Omega beams the Monkey King during the big fight in the God Realm, we don't know what happened to him. And in this, we find out that the Mega Effect sent the Monkey King to the Phantom Zone where he's been in hibernation just waiting to be released this entire time. But with the activation of this magic staff through this dragon's eye and also Marcus, we have the Monkey King waking up in the Phantom Zone. I'm like, Look, all of that is very cool. Well, now look, Dragon Town's not cool. That fucking sucks. I don't Dragon know why Town, it's when you it's first stupid. go down to it, looks very, very like uh, Disney esque deal. I like the look of it. It actually looks again. It don't belong in Atlantis. Well, you know they have the dragons down there because they did mention <laughs> they are they're sea dragons. He even says he was a disciple of the sea. I kind of like it a little as it being almost the Chinatown. Of like even Atlanta. when you get to this point, all of these Chinese dragons look like they're. Uh, cartoony versions of like Dragon Ball Z comic strips and stuff like that, manga and stuff like that. And I'm like, they they have no per- they have no reason to be here. Because he says the one guy reminds me of the days as my guardian in the court of the Aquagong, the Dragon King of the Eastern Sea. I like maybe that they're refugees. They end up coming to Atlantis. Atlantis accepts them. I ain't never seen them before. Is this like the Ninth Tried? How many times when we saw the Ninth Tried at points, I didn't know half of this stuff. So when we see this, bunch of beauties down I there. I just like I said, I consider this almost the Chinatown of the Atlantis, and I like that. And I but. The idea of tying it in like all of a sudden, this is a little too abrupt. You're just thrown there. Oh, my God, we've never seen this. And in that, then you're also, oh, that sliver of the staff. And you kind of have to put things together of the. Which the dragon just brought up to the rest of his friends. And we just heard about the step. So, yeah, it's everything with that. Plus, he seems all happy about this thing that's made him a monstrosity. He has an eye patch. It's kind of cool. He shows it to him. He's like, you know, Brian Wilson's dad showing him, takes his eye out and makes him look into the freaking crap. I, I end up where it starts going. And, and OK, that seems very anime Ask him. You even said the Dragon Ball deal. It starts to feel a little like that. The well, idea there are, there are of this commercial where, title cards, the original Dragon Ball cartoon, whenever we go to a commercial or come back from commercial, that was very cartoony with the logo of Dragon Ball. And that's what these dragons look like. Yeah, I, I think that they look pretty cool. You can tell that care was taken and making them look very cartoony, all that. But when the staff of of the monkey prince, you know, Marcus goes in, he's the monkey prince, he jumps in the water, I guess that that activates and then signals the idea that it's time to get back to doing this big staff, I don't know, and the sliver grows out of him and becomes one with I, I don't his know staff. It just looks Does like it? it's one of those things. That's what it looks like to me, that it ends up going like, and kind of I'm going just saying, into out of nowhere, like, it looks like possibly a staff or coral just grows out of the ground, goes through this guy's head, through his eyeball and up, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. But the Monkey King's awake in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, at one point it looks like it comes out of his eye, goes into the ground, then comes up out of the ground uh, in the Mystic Realm and then goes off to get the Monkey Prince. I actually, are the Monkey King, I actually thought that at one point when Dark Side, I thought they were going to tie it in a little where the Omega Effect might have sent him back somewhere, but also maybe one of these dream worlds, whatever. The Phantom Zone was kind of weird, but He's there and how this staff gets there. 
I don't know, the sliver. I think one of the dream worlds would be even weirder, though. Yeah, I don't know. If he was just there and he was, you know, in this weird place, it's like, I don't know what's going on. He's just there. It's just to have him somewhere. If this would have been in Marvel, he'd be in the negative zone. It would just be the same deal. Maybe the Savage Land. Savage there, Land? Maybe. Yeah. Nah, but he could travel from there. I don't right. know. So you end up where, while this is going on, Dinosaur Island. <laughs> Marcus ends up, you know, defeating. The, the deal going to it's weird because you have this big fight with this rampaging giant crab deal, crab demon, and you end up beating it up so that the you know this mystical demon leaves it. But then what is going on? Like, well, all it took was a soda pop and a staff whack, and all of a sudden we can like you know turn this crab back to normal, and the demon flees underwater. Okay, time to get you that see underwater the demon. Men, they come and get you know black man on their ski do. They're off, and in the meantime, the trench is going to attack Atlantis. A lot of stuff going on here. Even then, I you go to Arthur, you go to Mara, and somebody's got to get a hold and say, hey, there's like a monster kaiju attack at Amnesty Bay, you know, your hometown. But he's just kind of there, oh, what was me? He just got a message that the trencher attack, and he's got some shit on his hands. He can't worry about everything at once. Which spy did that? The one that didn't get caught? I, I He's just like, oh, man, it sucks being king, doesn't it? <laughs> That's why you're not really king now, but we'll go with it. Uh, but the art looks really good. That's why good. the monkey prince sits in his own hyper time slash universe because it does not exist anywhere in the DC universe that I recognize. I know today. it might be goofy to think that it would be cool if he, it did go into the regular continuity, but I really wish it did. I wish it was something where I want it to be you have main some continuity. fun, but you can work the regular continuity in. The continuity in this versus what you would have, it's not going to make it more or less fun. I mean, the idea that you could have black man of their own, oh, but that's not, it doesn't matter. You can work up just the same story in the regular continuity. And I kind of wish that we were going to get this deal. Like, you think that we'll see, you know, Marcus show up in these other books and whatever. What's well, the problem can, with but... the series in general? Because like, you know, you want to read this because you obviously you want the monkey prince. And for the first, you know, four issues, you got Batman and Robin and look, hey, maybe the monkey prince is over there. And now we've moved to Amnesty Bay and we see Aquaman, but like, Monkey Prince seems like a side character in his own book because the other characters are going to overshadow him. And I'm like, why would you do that? Just let like Marcus be Marcus and let him like see his own progression as the Monkey Prince yeah. without all this other nonsense that like overshadow him. Again, you're a guy who actually liked the miniseries Doom and people will not even know what that is. Most of the people who no. just heard me say it won't know what that is, but... It was one of those things that when we were reading, it seems like we well, were the only the, the ones. The doomsday virus sucked, but for some reason, this the virus getting into this kid and turning him into a lesser doomsday as a hero, I'm like for some reason, I was about it. What did you keep saying while we were reading it? I hope that someday he shows up in the Teen Titans. I hope that he could be in this. That's how I feel with Marcus here, but he still can. Like I said, they could just grab him, but. I wish that this was more into continuity. I wish this was more something. Well, even Marcus himself as the monkey prince with a transfer, uh, transformation word, like BN, stuff like that. I think that's how it is. But like, he is essentially a Chinese Shazam. I'm like, yes, I want this because I love Shazam. Yeah. And I mean, I could say you could have him join up with the Beast Boys, right? They're on the, they're on the prowl. I don't know. But yeah, you have a cool character, but you're not really. And I said, nobody's going to care. If, if somebody says, oh, I want to have Marcus on my Teen Titans, whether or not they allow that. I don't think somebody's going to say, well, you can't because that wasn't in continuity. They'll just throw him on. It's just a shame here that we don't have that. Telling you, if we saw Marcus at some point just duking it out with somebody in the dark crisis, it would give me such a big smile because that's where you get the when people say we want a big universe and we want to see how everything's connected. 
that's not Superman and Batman showing up and everything. We know that. But if you have Marcus, oh, my God, that'd be really cool. Even though it's just an aside. It's not for Marcus's best uh, best health, like, like going forward. But if his parents do need to travel around and do different hench person stuff, and, you know, that's how they make their living, maybe it would serve Marcus to go to a Teen Titans Academy where it's like, you know, he lives there and stuff like that. But also... Don't go to Teen Titans Academy because students there get murdered. No, you'll be dead. You will be dead. Or you'll be fused with somebody and they'll come up with a screwed up name where you're like a combo deal. It'd be nonsense. But even in this is... Beast. Yeah, like that. But I'm <sighs> saying if he was combined with somebody, you'd have to come up with something else. You know, Monkey Zam. That's him and Shazam, Eric. You end up here where Sam's not a student. He anymore. ends up to who Your is? I mean, flawed. who can be? They should all be banned from that school. That school keeps getting blown up. Calling child social services on Nightwing. I made you laugh that one night because I saw somebody uh, end up tweeting Tim Sheridan and ended up saying, "Oh my God, the Teen Titans was so great. This academy is the best school ever." And then yeah, and I and I told you I'm going to make a funny tweet. I'm like, "Yep." That Titan's Tower is built on the remnants of every other Titan before it. And both of them, they favored it. It made me giggle. I meant the dead body there. Oh, yeah, but when this, you get Marcus here. It's not a foundation of sand. It's a foundation of bones. Bones and sinew and brain matter. You know, all that nice stuff. When Marcus sees his parents with Black Man, is Marcus just so in love with his parents or is he dumb? At points, it feels like he's like, oh, no. Black Mana is taking my parents away and he's, he's the bad guy. He has to know that they're bad. I mean, he's seen this already, but he seems to not want no, to admit to himself. He totally does, especially when they're like dressed up the way they are. Like when he's around this giant crab, he looks down. I'll look at the way they're running. Definitely my parents. Okay, back to work. Yeah, but he says, definitely my parents. Oh, no, I got to stop Black Mana. He's taking them under the other. Like, he still has that little bit where I think he wants to blame the villains and not his parents and like they're oh i'll find out later that they're being coerced to do this or whatever that's not the case and i think he knows that but i think he's trying to play this game a well, little where is, he doesn't I, want to blame I think it. he knows exactly what his parents are but the idea of chasing this demon underwater that's not for his parents they're like and he's taking them into the ocean to chase after a freaking demon i've got to keep my parents safe that's enough of a mission for now, at least. I'm telling you, that seems more of the idea. Oh, my God, that black man. He's got They're dressed as Manta men. <laughs> got to realize the whole deal of this. And uh, but again, we'll see. We'll see how it's explained. And the idea. Well, you know, you eat a lot there, monkey. But it's like you and your parents when you grow up. Maybe they have to do oh, some no. side jobs. Maybe he's a little math. I, I don't know. I have to do little things to cut corners or at least get the food in your mouth. Like you said. Uh, but what would you give this at the end? At the end, the thing is, I love the progression of Marcus as the monkey prince with the whole super heroic aspect where he's willing to jump in this, overcome his fears and everything with that with Shifu Pigsy and getting a better understanding of like, you know, his father, the monkey's king and where he came from. It's just the background of that story didn't seem to go anywhere for me. And even the outcome of it with the, the magic step, like that kind of fell flat, not even fell flat. It's just I don't understand what happened. The rest of the story just feels really underwhelming with what we're doing. Like I said, it's like, here's a story in Amnesty Bay. We don't need to be here, but it's just more of the same scavenger hunt stuff where here's a demon will show up and do nonsense and the monkey prince will have to stop it. Marcus and his progression is great. The rest of the book is not, but the book does look good. I'm going to give this a six out of ten. That's a kiss my grit six, Derek. I knew you were going to do not. it. I was hanging on that. I'm I was going, on a 5.8. I wanted to go six, up. I'm going 6.5. I'm actually a little more, but there is a funny deal because once you get to Amnesty Bay, you really could start using a lot of the fish puns that I I love. And you do have some of them like, hey, I wouldn't want to be shellfish. Hey, everybody. Hey, I got crabs on you. I'm out, Eric. 
I'm a brood. I wanted the one thing like they're in a car. I thought I hit too close to home. How dare you book? It's, this is nothing to freaking laugh about. Shifu Pigsy comes up and he's like, oh, my God, my I think I blew a seal. And then Marcus, whoa, keep your personal life to yourself. See, that would have been good. Yeah, that's, that's for kids. Yeah. No, that's why it's not in the book. I didn't. I just wanted to laugh about it. Right. And I was just saying it for the halibut. That's the thing is, Jim, you can laugh about blowing Don't a seal all you Don't make waves with me. No going to stop you. <laughs> I know. But even then, I like that. He says that, hey, got a can of soda pop. It'd be shellfish not to share. Am I right? But that has to explain it. I'm like, oh, man, Monkey Prince. Honestly, I, I, the idea of him explaining it actually was kind of funnier hey, in my mind, just because he funny. is kind of an awkward kind of guy. But then again, if you think about it, magic soda pop and a magic stick beat the demon. That is true. I mean, that is the thing. And then he got in his stingray and went away. See, I got them all, Eric. I got a million of them. None of them good. None of Steve them. Irwin. Good. Oh, man. Now you made me sad. How dare you? How dare How you? How dare you? Crikey. Ah, here's the next one. Poison Ivy number two. Written by G. Willow Wilson. Art by Marcel Takara, Arif Prianto, and Hassan Atsamani El Hua. And I went to, I went, really wanted to pronounce the last name uh, right. And I went, but there was no, like, how to pronounce deal on that so i hope i'm doing that right but we have poison Obviously ivy continuing not. here <laughs> there's no way that i am but we end up continuing this poison ivy like slowing down your speech doesn't make it better it doesn't <laughs> chasm that doesn't make it work you end up with this book where you're coming out of that combo queen ivy good ivy out of fear state when she ends up coming to she realizes i don't have the powers of a god anymore Damn i really you, want those the gardener, the gardener the gardener Eh, Harley was involved too, but you know, she loves Harley. So you push that aside. But in this, in this first two issues, you're really setting up a new deal where you want to set a status quo. Nobody really knows. Let's burn this mother down. Well, and the big thing about Poison Ivy is, and there's people who fight online about it, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but the idea, should she be a hero? Should she be an anti-hero? Should she be a villain? And a lot of people like her as a villain. She's a very dynamic character. You never know what she's going to do. Well, that's the problem, though. You say that, and I just want something new. I want something that is cool. I want something that will progress things later. Well, either she's going to be an anti-hero, a hero, or a villain. What do you want new that's not those things? I'm saying I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about eco-terrorists and the same thing we get every time. And I know that you can say, well, that's what she is. But then that means now she's, she's a furry. She's just a one. Here you di- go. She's just a one-dimensional character. I, I don't. And when she does show up. Well, Batman fights crime in a bat suit. He's not changing that. Well, that's the thing, though. But we have every guy go in. We have the man behind the mask. We have all that. The problem is, is that you're playing with, with uh, Poison Ivy. It's not even just because what she does usually ends up being a global catastrophe when she ends up like it is in this one. And it's too big to just keep doing the same things. We've seen this over and over. G. Willow, even at her own story, before this came out in one of those villains deals, it was about, about the same thing. She was going to destroy the world. She was going to end up. So it ends up, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I actually thought the idea of her being a hero, which a lot of people went against, was actually a cool progression. To allow her to maybe learn a little, like we say you when we had get her do Harley. That previously. Well, I'm saying I, I, you didn't have to change it. We didn't have much of it because we don't really get much of Poison Ivy. But with this, I don't know what we're getting because I don't like the character here. I don't like what she's doing. I understand that this is, you know, pretty much the idea of from the headlines, the idea of global warming, all this thing of destroying the deal. I'm not interested in that, and so I don't know what I'm interested in or what I'm supposed to be in this because. I just, 
And when I'm done, I'm like, yeah, I, I really don't like this. And I really don't like this play of her just, I'm going to destroy the world. This issue well, just felt like it was on repeat. she's second thoughts in this whole thing about the idea because she is sitting in a diner where she plans on infecting everybody with the spores. So those people then go out and infect other people in the chain but reaction. But she did. Thing. But as she's, exactly, I'm saying she's doing this, but as she's sitting there talking to these people that she's enjoying, even this girl, Jenny, who's on the run and kind of a, a poet on the run who's against the law. Mm -hmm. But the idea where she will die in an hour. Maybe I don't she said want she infected to do her. this. Oh, no, I'm saying but though, she's but she's having it. second thoughts about what she's doing to the point where like yet last issue, like I want to burn the world down at the end. I want to be the last one to die. I am going to go and do this. But as she's interacting with people, she is finding more and more of her humanity. Yeah, I from sitting at a diner and talking to two people. I, I don't care. I, I mean, by the end, if we go six issues in the six issues, he's like, oh, man, I don't want to do it. Like, why did I have to see that then? I'm not enjoying it. I don't think this is anything. Progression? But I, but that's not because she's good. Then she's just going back to what she was before. Like you said, I mean, the idea here of I want the power well, of I don't God, think she'll be a hero after that. Well, I, but what will she be then? Because she has already well, killed we'll a ton out. of people. Yeah, so does Harley. It's just like with no, I'm saying at the end of this, you get a character that legitimately we get like once every couple of years. If she's just going to be a villain, you have to just have her wait for either a, a miniseries or Batman to show up. So with this, by the end of she's just like, well, I kind of like humanity and I like, you know, the, the green and God, I just, I don't see anything interesting in this story of her just sitting in a diner, especially this issue, because last issue, she was just going around killing people. This issue, she's sitting in a diner killing people, but oh man, they might be nice. More of an inner journey about what she's doing in my mind with this, because the, while the setting doesn't change very much, because we are just sitting around talking to people inside of a diner, stuff like that, it's more of the inner monologue about what she's feeling while all this is going on around her and what she plans to do going forward. Yeah, this feels like just as and much. And in the background, it seems like somebody's coming after her and she's like, you know, is getting weirded out by it. Like, is, is it the green man, the swamp thing, something like that? Well, because she walks out of the diner, like, I don't have a, a lot of time left. I can't get attached to people who are just going to and she stops the hairs on the back of my neck stand up someone something is out there and it's not and it's not more police but nothing emerges from the darkness the toxin from the lamnia spores is building up in my blood making me jump at no and then crash and like is it him the batman and she looks and there's that gigantic like you know look of the stick the ancient stick man ruin rune that uh like you know uh jenny had previously on the walls like when did she do that i don't know mm, i just like I said, I think that it would be Woodrow that's coming after her. She said she was going to go to Woodrow. We'll see. I think she's like, oh, my God, did the swamp thing end up hearing about me? We might see him come in here. Well, right now, I don't know. Like, the thing is, I have to imagine this is part of the main continuity, unlike the monkey prince for what we're doing, because it's coming off of Fear State and everything else. And what we have with Levi Kamei, the new swamp thing and stuff like that, his brother Jacob, with the, even, you know, Woodrow's, like, uh, partnership with Mr. Pilgrim, the, the avatar of the gears, stuff like that. I don't know if Woodrow, as he is right now, would have any idea that a Pamela Eisley She said Isley she was going off to find him, and that was her but you I'm know, saying whole though, like, deal. I don't, I don't see him like you know coming after. Right now, this, this seems more of like this Lamnia spore is being sent out, murdering a ton of people. Is it the idea is that, like is the Green being upset by her doing this, even though it's, she's back to her main power set before? Or is the Red upset because the Green is attacking it? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that you're looking too deep into it. I think it's just going to be pretty surface level. And the, the idea that it is in continuity, I don't know that it's going to play fully out of, well, we have to make sure that this is this because this will continue on a little bit after the Swamp Thing book ends. That only has two more issues. This has four. So maybe that's what they're waiting for. Maybe then we'll see how that ends, how that could lead into this. I don't know. But like I said, I, I ended up being bored by this. 
I we talked about it before. I'm not that concerned with the queen ivy versus the good ivy whatnot that never intrigued me at all you've been looking for a war of the green but in this you know yeah you see oh these nice people well one of them wasn't so nice she's doing wire fraud yeah she's a poet but she has to end up you know making ends meet and things like that (laughs) i'm just well she said i mean she is a piece of shit if somebody stole all my money with a wire fraud i'd be pissed and so she's there the police come to get her and Pamela's already, everybody there, including the nice guy who's running the place, seems very, he's going to die. She wants them to spread it because she wants everything to be torn down. And I feel as if already in two issues that this should have been a one shot and it would have been fine for me because this seems like a bit of repeat at points, even though you change to a diner. But her overall talk, her overall idea of what she wants to do, it just seems like there's this little thing she has to get to Seattle, then she's going to get on a boat and go. And I just want to get there and see what's going on. I think that it's already boring me. Like I said, the pacing, I think, is very slow in this. It's not anything different than we saw last issue. She's there and she remembers a conversation with the gardener. She's oh, she mad totally, at her. The thing, in my mind, she's totally having second thoughts here. Even though she, by the end of this issue, she's still going on with her plan, but she has some serious doubts to her actions here. Yeah, I think that she's just going with the idea that overall the plans, uh, you know, the plan's a good plan. I have to hate everybody, but there's some good to it. But the overall plan's still the plan. But even with the ancient, you know, stick man rune stuff like that, the, the rune of the like the symbol of the tree of ancient man and stuff like that, and how this girl Jenny wants to get it tattooed on her because she thinks it's cool and stuff. No, like there's Pam. Like I've seen that symbol before in the realm of the Green Man. Is that the idea of the LSD trip that she puts people on with her, like her pheromone powers as well combined, or is it something more? The idea of the realm of the Green Man, like the Parliament of the Trees. Because you definitely see that on the wall at the end. It doesn't look exactly but spray But it is painted, weird. Even when you see that, it's in a bottle as if it was in a lab. So, you know. Well, I'm saying that is in like the realm of the Green Man. Is the Green Man just Jason Woodruff when, when they I were, just you know, think it is. when they were like, you know, college people, like, you yeah, know, she, students, whatever, he was a professor when she was transformed. And, yeah. yeah, he was a professor and kind of took her under a wing. They were lovers. it seems weird. Like, you, you want to recreate her origin and you want to keep, you know, because you have to add the garter to it. Almost like what we're doing with like, you know, making sure that the ghost maker is in Bruce's all like origin stories now because we have to like rework the origin. So a garden is a lot like that where we have to do that with Pamela Isley now. So she's like an, an associate back in college when she was transformed and like, you know, because everybody went going, to school together. Exactly. Go, and the gardener started making like plant dogs and like Pamela Isley wants to destroy the world, you know, potatoes, potatoes. But like, it seems weird though, because Pamela Isley up until now, as far as I've ever been known, I've ever known is that she knows her past. She knows where she came from. Maybe things are different that she was reborn and like, you know, two people combined in one. But for some reason, this idea, if it is simply like, I remember this weird stick man bottle, like symbol on this bottle from when I was in college, when Jason Woods, you turned me into the poison ivy. Like it feels like this is something more that she would remember instead of just like, what is that symbol of the green man? Yeah, no, and even then, like I look at it and I almost recognize it from the thing of just, you know, kind of seeing that around and things like that. But, in the deal with the the gardener, and whenever I see the Green Man, I immediately go to Dark Knights of Steel with that Lex with her Joker Every Green Lantern. And I'm like, that, Son I of a think bitch. of that too, and all the theories they had. In a, so when you have it's a this, Martian, though, I know it. When you end up having this, and you end up the gardener shows up, and maybe that's it. Maybe that's one of the things that wouldn't end up, you know, making or breaking the story for me. But it's just that idea of like those characters that Tynan just threw at us. They here gardener, but did nothing with them. And then all of a sudden they become the biggest thing. Oh, my God, that was with Pam. And now it's the bit. And I don't know why they 
think that they have to do this. It almost feels that they think that Tynan, because all of his books were selling so well and they let him walk. You're right. We need a Clown Hunter series. Yeah, that and Clown Hunter and even like White Witch. Where's like, that Miracle where's, Molly? Where's the rest of you end up where everything has to have these as if Bat that's, Family 2021 that was the magic. It wasn't Tynan, which I still think that Tynan's way overrated, just to put that out there. But you end up where his characters here, I don't know that DC is reading the, the writing on the wall or the reading the room, where a lot of these characters just became so annoying because they just popped up. And then we afterwards, we even got the background of the gardener after Fierce that we had that one shot deal. And you're like, really? We're already done that. But now here she is. And it's supposed to be these big moments. Yeah, nothing hit like Peacekeeper 1's background. Yeah, really, Peacekeeper 1. <laughs> you end up you're like, damn you. And then remember when, oh my God, the White Witch, a ghost maker. Like, there's where you start the to get White combination. Witch. Combination of all these words. Did you know that the White Witch trained with uh, the ghost maker and the Bruce Wayne? But before that happened, ghost maker needed to know what Bruce Wayne like was going to do over here. So we went and hung out with the Scarecrow. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So when I see the gardener in this, or I see the... It, it throws me out. Now, I will say, as I'm going here, pish poshing, I think that... You think the White Witch is going to become a part of the Batman Inc. going I'm forward to now? Sure. Ghostmaker's in charge of that. Remember, they were lovers. You, you wanted to make me your own Robin. Honestly, at this point in time, I don't know who hasn't been a lover of freaking Ghostmaker. <laughs> true. Especially if he's Anton, but we'll have to wait you for You and that. all your kids might be lovers of Ghostmaker. You, you have know. all this where, again, I, and this happens a bunch of times when I'm talking about comics to me personally, uh, I think that it's well written. I think that the dialogue is really, really good. I think that the situations this, are really, yeah. I think that this okay, is really well written. Okay, like we're talking about a lot of stuff. No, right no, now. I'm talking about this Poison Ivy. I think G. Willow Wilson is no. writing a really good deal. I'm just not interested in the story she's telling. It's it's kind of that. Okay, everybody's gonna die. Here I am. Maybe show, like at the end, it's almost the idea of what we say with a lot of characters, but we're not doing it here yet. Of the, we're going to make this character the worst ever. So at the end, when they come to the status quo of, hey, I'll let the humanity go. Oh man, you did it, T Willow. It's just right now, it's it's kind of wearing on me already after two issues of just, I'm in this diner and everybody's going to die in an hour. But I don't want them to die that quick because I want them to kill their children and their friends. I want it to go to the nursery and the, the preschools. And She's a perfectionist, Jim. Calm down. Yeah, but it's just not something, again, with everything out there, not even just DC, but all these. Like, I don't have a reason that I would have been reading this if we weren't doing it on the podcast because I'm not having fun with it. It just seems like, okay, you're doing this. So at the end. Like you said, you see her humanity, and that gives you the spark of hope of, oh, my God, she isn't that bad. But you're setting it up first to be so bad so that you can kind of play that off. It's happened. It happens in tons of It's time. funny, too, the idea of talking about the writing in this and the way it's presented, even the road trip aspect of, like, you know, the, the U.S., like, out there kind of country and stuff like that, like, away from mankind, like, just the... The out like the uh the outlaw western like bird like out thereness of a you know, like the United States. So it really does remind me a bit of the way that preacher is written whenever we have them like on the road kind of issues towards the end. And like I think it's written very well, just like you know. I thought we were gonna get a little Thelma Louise going on here. And then also though, I get a very big Tom King vibe in this. And it's it's a little better Absolutely written not. coherently, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as interesting. As maybe some other people think. I, I think that seeing her just talk to herself about destroying the world and then. Now, well, the maybe worst I part won't. about this issue in my mind is the idea of talking about 
Some people think I'm a vegetarian, and you know what? That's stupid. Even though we've had issues before this that told you that she was a vegetarian yep, and, and stuff was. like that. But no, it's like the idea of vegetarians. They have to go through all these different processes to get something that's vegetarian. She's a carnivore because that's what plants need in order to, like, you know, to weed out these different things. You can't have the deer eat all of the plants. You need predators to eat the deer to, make, like, you know, make everything even Steven. I'm like, this is the worst part of the book because it seems like it's really going out of its way to have this kind of thought process which is all in ivy's mind i'm like oh because normally yes you're killing a lot of people but you have a plan that you know what you want to how you need to enact and like when you need to enact and stuff like that you will have this strategy to do it here the way you're talking to yourself even though this plan of yours is going to kill everybody on earth the way you're talking to yourself here about the vegans this makes you look more like a psychopath <laughs> everybody has to do this nonsense with these characters because they think it's clever oh look at me i'm ivy i'm a carnivore oh, look at me and ivy i'm actually a vegetarian because when you end up doing that, that's the cycle of life. And oh my God, and you don't need that. And that's, yeah, G. Willow should have avoided like that. Like right now, but. I need the progression of Ivy, who she is in this new state, which te technically it's a new state because she's combined from the Queen Ivy with all the godlike power that she had, with the naive Ivy that was made by the Gardener, keeping all the best parts of her combined together, which actually gives us a status quo Ivy that we had previously where she has all of her original powers but has gone mad to a degree because she has lost the powers of a god and plans on burning the world down because of this. I need more progression of the character of that and not having a stop the fucking walk down memory lane about whether or not you eat or plants or not. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I like the art. I just, I got bored going through it again with Ivy wants to kill everybody. Ivy wants to kill everybody. Here's the plan. Oh my God, I think these two people are kind of nice. As she watches little kids go off, has no qualms about that. I'll see you later, little kids. You're going to die. And eh, I, I just it just doesn't it, it is anything that I really am interested in. But we're here to review it. What would you give it? I still enjoy this series. Like there are some down parts to it, obviously. But I, I do look forward to continuing on this path of Ivy so she can find out who she is with the new old status quo that she's getting used to in this mad, mad world that she doesn't want to be a part of. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I'm a five. I'm just a solid five, not a FU five or anything. It's just I'm not that interested in it. And this issue didn't make me. Maybe something will get me going later but the next issue is a penultimate issue and boy yeah now that i'll realize yeah tom king sucks i yeah, i'll have to apologize yeah. to g willow though g willow and i do like some of the things that g willow wilson has done obviously miss marvel which i love uh but g willow on the the dc side of things hasn't been the greatest the dreaming book she ended up doing was pretty good but that wonder woman yeah, run mean. of hers was terrible and then you get into this i just i know that she's a great writer and i want to get that I'm just not that interested. But Tom King, every series, I think, well, maybe this would be the one, Eric, because this was going to be fun. You right? don't think that I try to push it on you. I'm like, I heard that this series is going to be the fun one. He's going to go back and do a heist story. And I'm like, this could be the fun one that we've been waiting for this entire time because he doesn't have a lot of heavy lifting or supposed heavy lifting to do. It's just a fun heist story. Well, we're at the penultimate issue and I don't know what the story is. <laughs> no. And that's my favorite thing. If people will argue with us and say, well, Eric and it's just Jim. Just a whole fiction fucking gimmick to get us through a goddamn book. Hey, Eric and Jim, the problem here, because I already see some people either saying this issue is fantastic or already making excuses, already saying, well, you know that Tom King needs 12 issues to tell a story. That? No. And that's the problem is. Because I read Bad Cat. <laughs> if you look at most of his stories, even like Mr. Miracle, one of the biggest ones that everybody goes, remember, 
Those are kind of like two six issue things together. You always ended up having that ending at six. Well, Well, you end up where at the end you had no idea what was going on and things got wacky and then it starts again. So this wouldn't have been any better with any more issues. Because I still don't understand that Mr. Miracle or Funky was killed and Funky's back and Funky might be bad at times and stuff. Like I don't know what's happening. People avoid talking about any of that just to say, you know, it's all you know, it's it's trippy. Of the mind, you get away with it because everything's I ambiguous. Doing drugs. I don't eat trippy anymore. When you get this, like you said, and you'll give the the credits, but you end up at this point where how did it go so crazy in these five issues that we ended up having it a heist, a mystery? The mystery, as Tom King usually does, kind of doesn't mean much anymore. Then you throw in other things, then you get wacky. I don't understand, and I ended up talking and kind of arguing slightly with a guy on Twitter a couple weeks ago when the last issue came out. Take that Twitter away from you. (laughs) Because I ended up saying with the agent, the, you know, the government agent where she's always cursing. And I said, you know, I said, this is just so annoying. You know, this whole thing. And why does he keep doing it? And the guy says, he doesn't overdo it. It's just character work. I want to find that guy and see what he thought of this because holy crap. Then he, then he does what we hate. Oh, agent Espinosa. Yeah. Espinosa tries to make fun of that in the issue itself but you give us the credit because i'm telling you even with this even the last issue where i tried to say like i'm no like you know prude here like i curse like a sailor non-stop this Espinosa makes me feel uncomfortable <laughs> but no, we we have and just Batman before you go time. the funny thing is when we go through this and we read some things so I, cough? I, I had to but i have nothing to drink i'd have to run upstairs <laughs> the idea of this though when we go through it and we read some of the dialogue when we do it i'm just going to use the f-bomb because I don't care if it doesn't fit. That's all I did. And it made me laugh through the thing. When it doesn't fit, it was better. I, 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 just, I just skipped back. over it. Okay. Batman Killing Time, number five, written by Tom King with art by David Marquez, Alejandro Sanchez, and Clayton Cows. And in this story where we start things off, we see that the Penguin is really up in his game in his vengeance against the Riddler and Catwoman. Because in the previous issue, we saw him go to Two-Face and say, look, I got the monies. I want to hire out all your goons. I'm going to put together as an army. Whack, whack, whack. And now we see that he has gone to everybody in Gotham, done the same thing, and even characters for some reason who shouldn't have goons or even the ideas behind it, because we spend like the first seven pages Fun time, Eric. just going through this book saying like, at this time, this, this person killed this person, and at this point, this person killed this person, and they're all just weird hench people of villains, like, you know, guys like, you know, dressed like the Riddler, like, how is he hiring out the Riddler goons when the Riddler doesn't seem to have goons right now? Catwoman goons. Penguin has his own goons. Firefly goons with flamethrowers even seems like Mr. Freeze goons who for some reason, even though they're Mr. Freeze goons, have to put together makeshift ice guns that explode in their hands and end up killing themselves. I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to tell me right here with these goons. And at the end, it's like, and then there was a guy who killed a bunch of people. We think he's one of the Joker gang, or he might be the Joker when he's obviously just the Joker killing people and taking advantage. But I'm like, I don't understand what's going on and throughout all of this. And I'm like, there's one woman who's a poison ivy fucking goon who's killing this one agent. And when like, this is the thing is the way we're telling this story, all of this stuff is going down. It'll happen at the end of the book, but we get to see everybody die before we care or understand any of this at the beginning of the book. And then when you get to, you realize, Oh, this doesn't make any sense for any of these goons and all this bullshit. And all I want to know is through the, through the penguins rage, his vengeful spitefulness. I'm like, I got to kill real and Catwoman because they betrayed me. And to the point where he hired the help to go and do this and then helps like, you know, when I want the eye of Christ myself, I'm going to betray the Riddler. I mean, the Penguin. Does the Penguin want to kill the killer croc who was in on the plan in the beginning? Who knows? We have one issue left. And and when you're going through this, this is the thing. I go to read it 
and I, I read these reviews. They, they, oh, the pacing is top notch here. Oh, my God, this shows you everything. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I get in this, and I'm like, on March 7th at 5.33 a.m. in Moldoff Park. Go fuck yourself. And I thought, okay, well, oh, this guy, Bill Zenowith. And now the problem is the first couple of panels when they're progressing, I'm like, oh, was that that guy before? And then, Leon, screw it. Uh, it. You end up where the one, you know, Steve Harwood chokes Brian Patchett to death. They were saying, you see them on the bus later, but what does that mean? This it is doesn't nothing. Mean anything. It means nothing. And then this guy kills that guy. Oh, that guy has three kids. It's just murder. Page after page, panel after panel for no, nothing. All I can say, I wanted to have, like, we go through this. If we had longer time and people would sit through it, the idea that we have calliope music going, we just read this. Oh, we're having a grand old time here. This guy gets knifed in the eye. That guy gets his head blown up. That person at least, gets frozen. like you have a problem with it in Poison Ivy. I have a problem with it here because at least in Poison Ivy, it makes sense to me. Well, at this least is it's just, part it's of like, the story. This is just shock sense. value nonsense. This is like you said, we've talked about it being a Pulp Fiction deal. That's the difference. The difference between a Quentin Tarantino Pulp Fiction or anything else by Quentin and other, you know, wannabe hacks is that they only get the surface level nonsense thinking, oh, ultra violence is it. Th- that's not it. You have to care about the characters and see what's going on to make that. I said Pulp Fiction itself, just as an aside, the reason it works is because you start to care for real pieces of shit. But then when they die, you're like, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. And so with this, though, you're just throwing names at us. And when you do that, the pacing comes to a grinding halt. That's the beginning of the issue. How can you start an issue to make the pacing so awful? And then at the end, people, oh, it was clever because you saw that guy telling that guy a joke. Is that why you killed him? You I know, just imagine this whole thing where you have it playing this way, where the like the end of the book is at the beginning, and they're like telling you all these things, where it is this ultra violent exploitation kind of like of like way of doing things, where everybody is just dying. Just imagine like Tom King writing like a uh, Quentin Tarantino kind of movie, where it's like it's Kill Bill, and now the bride has to fight, you know, fuck who who's here to fucks gang because that's what it is. Like every little like any side character, oh, they have a gang now, and they're going to be here for some reason. That's what it is. Here's the, you know, the crazy 88. You don't need that. Also, well, I just, you have the crazy 88 because that makes sense to the story. But the thing is, you have that set up in that book, like that story for that to be a thing. The way that we have all of these different goons that are here working for the Penguin, whether they work for the Riddler or the Catwoman, which doesn't make any sense for the Catwoman to have goons, but you have it. It just, they're just all here because they're cannon fodder and there's just to take a page space. The way they play it up, though. Tom King is making this weird thing that they might not be the goons. They might actually be just people who are worshiping them because even the Tweedledee and Tweedledum, they say, oh, they were real excited when they found out that some like I'm getting the idea that he it, it makes no sense. Rounded up like, hey, let's go where all the Catwoman wannabes are. Hey, come on. It doesn't make sense because they don't have those gangs, but he just wants to have them. And what Tom King does, and that's the bad, I think one of the worst things, there's a lot that we have a problem with. If he gets an idea that doesn't work, he steamrolls that idea right in. He doesn't care. Nothing will stop him from that idea of the crazy 88s and these gangs. Even then, the best was, was, hey, there was an 80. Yeah, they thought the name was cool. Like, there was always, like, that's what I like about that. And I'm a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, whether people are or aren't. But that should be like, he's trying to make it like, oh, I like the story because of that. 
it's just annoying. But Plus, even again, when you have the overall story outside of this gangs fighting, you know, U.S. agents nothing, and stuff like right? that, it's, it is nothing because the whole background of the story is that the Riddler and the Catwoman have the Eye of Christ and they want to sell it off to the highest bidder. And at this point in time, the highest bidder seems to be the U.S. government because with all the stories going on, where you have stories that take place throughout the ages talking about the Eye of Athena, I think it was at one point, that it became the Eye yeah, of Christ. Yeah, that's the clever thing stuff in like this, that. I think. That's but what... the idea that the U.S. government's like, if anybody's going to have this thing that can make you rule the world, it's going to be the U.S. government. Like, have you seen anybody who's who's ruled the world with this? No, and I think that's a play it, here. His clever play is just going to be, it's that's the deal. It's a status symbol of just having it. It's, it's such a weird idea where Agent Espinosa here is like talking to the president like, oh, you already lost that money. We can't give you any more money. Okay, well, I'm going to go to this drop. I'm going to give fake money. And if anything goes wrong, we're going to have all these freaking agents to kill the Riddler and the Catwoman. And if anything goes wrong there... I need you to fly a plane in here and drop a bomb on Gotham because no, I'm like, the fuck is happening right here? And in the background of that, you have the Batman working with the help who's a freaking known murderer and they're all just going to the eye of Christ. And the thing is, and Catwoman's being awful. Everybody's being awful again in in this book. The biggest thing of this book that I wanted to know, like the most intriguing part is when they're Batman and, you know, the help are riding on the bat cycle to the place they need to be at the park to meet up with this, this drop right now, the exchange. And the help says to him, so if you've had the eye this whole time, and I, you seem to like a, a man of means, why would you hide the eye in a bank vault in a safety deposit box? And Batman, I'm like, I want to know this. I'm like, yes, why did you have it there, Batman? I'm like, what is it that you had to put this thing here that Rachel Ghoul gave you? I'm like, and Batman's like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm like, fuck. The one interesting thing you had, you just decided this is not part of the story. Better be at the next issue. Well, some of the times when when you think about it, a lot of his writing we end up saying is reaction to people saying something to him on Twitter and whatnot. And it usually does end up hitting in like the second to last end, the last issue where all of a sudden we get weird comments, exposition and stuff like that. And I bet you somebody just said to him, hey, why would he just put it in the vault? He has a better do something with that. But just the idea that Agent Espinosa and she is spent the money so and that got she got duped so she doesn't have the money like you said but yeah. she's talking to the president and this is where me and that guy were talking about this wingding cursing and the being wingdings makes it even worse but she's talking to the president does this give her character where she's talking to the president goes i know what the fucking situation calls for i know what the fuck is at stake i'm not calling because i need a fucking penny mr president i need a fucking bomb i'm like come on now you are so over the top ridiculous. You are a cartoon character. And then later Riddler, because I'm sure Tom King has seen some of the criticism. He has to then make fun of it. Where Riddler like, man, you're like Agent Fuck. I'm like, I don't need I, I just tell me a story. Don't do this nonsense. And yeah, when you end up having the idea where, you know, the penguin has gathered all these people. And even then he's like my friends, fellow travelers, all these things going. Again, if you look at all the people there, you have to think to yourself like, yeah, they can't have gangs for all these. These have to just be people want to go out there and try to cause some havoc as their favorite. I don't it doesn't really make sense. Uh, but even the one guy goes out and is like, I'm going to go and check my wife. I'm going to be I'm late. Sorry, the weird what? part, too, like the other interesting thing is when you have what looks like a two-faced henchman, maybe, who's at this meeting, who is then texting Batman the information of where they're going to go to the gazebo and stuff like that because he's Batman's inside. Man, I wanted to know more about that, but all it was like, we said no phones. Oh, I need to text my wife. Tell her we're not going to be home tonight. And he shoots the guy that we said no phones. Like, 
who was that guy that Batman just got who killed? Who was that guy? Yeah, Batman, you know. Because I thought it was like a Jason Todd at first. And I wish that it would have been the idea that he did text his wife and Batman just intercepted it. I hate the idea that Batman sent somebody into this. Even if he knew this was going on right there, he should have been on it more than just sending. It's very odd. But again, that just gets wiped away because most of the things in these books of Tom King, they end up, you have the wow moment. Guy gets shot, but you're not supposed to think anything about it. You're not supposed to think that, who is this guy? So I can't. Batman got him killed and he's he's done. He's gone. You don't, because we move on to the next deal. And now we're going to go back and again. Is Killer Croc safe and sound in Arkham and or Blackgate? Is he okay? Is his girlfriend okay? Did she spend all his money? People forget about all that stuff by the time you get to this, but- you end up where you have this deal in 25,000, you know, 2,500 years earlier on May 5th, 404 BC at 524 p.m. Is the clock time the same because of the way the shift? You end up, though, with uh, a priestess of Athena. And this is where you get that idea that it's not the eye of Christ. This is just some sort of symbol of whatever, because we even said this doesn't make sense because it started before Christ. It's yeah. that, so you have that. So. At least that's kind of explained. But even then, it's just whoever has this rules the world. I just think it's a status symbol. I just think it's something where you get that. And like I said, the joke would be you open it up and there's a mirror. Oh, my God, it was me all along. I just think that's all it is. It's a stone eye. And I'm like, what What are we doing with this? And even the idea at the end where like Catwoman tries to get like, you know, get away with the stone eye and the things get all wrapped up where it's knocked out of her hand when she's fighting a like, you know, Batman shows up and they're fighting Espinosa and stuff like that. When it, it just like rolls out of its box then and like it just rolls the nail. And we have this narration the entire time telling us, you know, time and place and when everything's happening, but all out of freaking whack. Like we do discover, like we've been talking about this entire time, every time we review the book, we that it, it is the clock king. Clock king. We but knew the clock, the clock king was involved. King Telling the story so out of fucking whack with the goddamn know. times that he's given, and but what does he, he picks care up about the eye. This stuff? And what does he care about this eye? And and the other play here that I thought was okay, where you end up having Constantine and he's dying, and I, we're talking the Emperor deal, not yeah, you know the real the Constantine, not John Constantine. That, he's being met by Obi Wan Kenobi. It looks like by bedside, but this is where I got the play where Constantine ends up really realizing that as he's dying and he's converted, he can't say like. I got the eye of Athena because now he's going to go to hell again. He's a heathen. He's like, oh, I got the eye of Christ. And that yeah. starts that. That's run. where the story I, changes. And it's like down the, the alley, you know, the deal. And I, I like that. But what does that mean? What does that go with? If it does end up being at the end, which it seems the eye is nothing like. And, and if you end up having the help, like that's why you kept it just in a, a deal, because it didn't mean anything. You're right, the help. Why did Rachel Ghoul have it this entire time and just other things before? I think like- it was because he was the demon's head, and now he passes it to Batman as the symbol of, now you're going to rule the world. I want you to do it. You have to strive to be that. I, th- I just think that's all it is. But down the lane, it starts to become mystical, and oh my God, this. But like you said, that would be why that kid who dug it up and wanted to bring back his sister. Stole it from the church. He died on the, the coven of a gravesite yeah. because it isn't anything. It's nothing. And it's just, but when you do that, remember the little things like the president of the United States saying, we can't let Russia get, like, are they fooled? buy this if that's it like we can't get them doing it we we have a handful of dead agents a bunch of assholes dressed up like freaking you know criminals of gotham and at the end the clock king just fucking picks up this goddamn eye and that's where we end it what i want at the end is what you're gonna have you have that eye and and at the end batman goes hey the eye was nothing it never was it never will be and then as we go the eye blinks at us 
Hey guys, winks at <laughs> What is this? I mean, at the end when you get clocked. So what you're telling me is that you want a Jason, a Freddy versus Jason ending where the seven headed Freddy winks at the audience exactly. to let you know they still alive. But it's just the stone eye. Like, oh, I'm not. That's nothing. Wink, How does wink. an eye without an eyelid wink at you, Jim? Hey, that's why you know that it's mystical shit. Christ. It starts winking. And then, actually, then, yeah. Oh, you would say, Jesus Christ, you'd be right. It's the eye of Christ. Yes. This, this whole deal of it, though. Is so much, there's not much story going on in this issue. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a lot of mind freaking everybody by throwing in a lot of tons death of and names. Murder and the US government willing to bomb Gotham for a freaking stone eye that means nothing. And Batman fucking finally he shows up like he's not doing anything this entire series, Batman. No, and that's and what happens he, with he everything finally just shows up. I mean, the idea where, he, oh, man, this is finally my like like that Tom King had to come out and tell people this will be my fun Batman. Oh, man, it's going to be zany. It's going to be so much fun. And he can't he can't do it. He can't even have Batman being the center of a Batman book. It's just not Batman. It's not any anything. Batman in that Batcat book. I know that's his deal. There was not a lot of Batman doing anything in his whole run of Batman. I mean, he was being duped by Bane the whole time. Catwoman was doing the heavy lifting. Here's Espinosa, though, and I, I listen to this dialogue. This is her. And in that, you have a little bit of narration, but just the dialogue of her. I like a good fucking deal, but here's the fucking rub. There's no fucking money, just fucking us and a hundred of my fucking men, all of which is to say you're fucked. Fuck. That, that's a page of dialogue from somebody because she gets tackled by Batman and yells the F-bomb one last time. I mean, seriously, when you say that he lifts things from old fables and and christmas i'd rather have that than this he uh, he's winged and crazy he is eric i don't understand it and that's the funny play of this is if he didn't and this is you know the whole deal if he was allowed to say the f-bomb it would be even worse it would be so in your face that there's nothing going on here except cursing but the cursing and the wingdings don't even like it makes you seem silly doesn't it? When you're there, Espinosa's yelling and it, it's like, yeah. really, Tom King, you're silly doing this because you know these are going to be wingdings and yet you're still doing it. Like, what are you doing? He's like a little kid in his face. Who oh, won't do the curses, but he's not allowed. So he ends up like, oh, my God, my mommy's going to stay and ends up having to change it. It's nonsense. And then you get back to this just awful killing of everybody just describing that guy has 80 percent burns. On his body, he's going to die he in three hours. Later. That person ended up killing seven people, including a father of four kids. But then he ended up getting emboweled later. And this guy did this. Why? Why do we care? This isn't like you said. Emboweled? This, this guy, Was it disemboweled? No, whatever. He, no, they actually picked it up and put it right up his ass. Oh, That's what God. killed him. He died of dysentery, Eric. Oh, these guys weren't doctors. And so when you have this, the weird play, and I think that you nailed it, Eric. You plowed it. You went right. and said. I did something. You said. He can't have the villains that we want. So he has these pseudo gangs to kind of fill in. Then he puts the Joker in and says like, oh, whatever. But having somebody, a girl running around with an umbrella gun, that's not the penguin. Having a guy say a joke and then get, that's not the Joker. These are just, you just pass on by. You end up not even caring. There's no care or feel and about even it. the idea when you have all of these people put together, the penguin is, Spared no expense when it comes to putting together this army of fucking supervillain misfit goons. Like, all right, everybody, get on the bus. <laughs> We're going to drive buses to a gazebo. And then the one guy gets in, and again, you can say that this is good writing, but in a, a deal of a comic book, 
it starts to be a bit of a slog and it takes the pacing right out where you get this kind of stuttering guy who can't really tell a joke that wants to be a joker guy and he's going to tell his joke no, it's me. and it ends up like yeah and the guy the guy next to her says uh like he says uh like well don't take that you you know to go get and tell him for standing that uh yourself um yeah but you need to work on it buddy and i'm like yeah and then yeah. that's the big joke at the end you got to work on your deal and these are the two guys that are up strangling each other right at the beginning, was he trying to tell another joke? I don't know. But yeah, you have these guys, like, that's a funny scene as they're lining up for their field trip. One of the guys, he likes the Mad Hatter. He pulls the hat down that the Mad Hatter get, and he got shot in the header. There you go. Oh, my God, fun. Just hilarious you know, all those fun. Mad Hatter goons that walk around with a Mad Hatter That's why hat I'm on. telling you. That's why I think that this is just wacky guys that are, it's supposed to be like, they idolize these characters. Somehow they're rounded. Ah, uh, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. Why are Mr. Freeze goons making their own ice because guns Because I don't at think home? they're goons. I don't think these are goons. I think that the Because no way are any of these villains going to allow them to go and hang out and well, get hired. But that's I, the thing is, like we saw in the last issue, that Penguin went to Two-Face and says, I need to freaking hire out your goons. Catwoman doesn't have goons. You know, you have Tweedledee and Tweedledum doesn't have goons, and they didn't know they did. That's the one thing that got me when they say Tweedledee and Tweedledum found out later and thought that that was awesome. Somebody was representing us. They he was they weren't a goon. They were just there to be like, hey, I'm going to fight in the name of the Tweedledee. It doesn't make sense. It, it really and we're trying to make it make sense. And it's not going to because it's Tom King. It's a wow moment of this. You have Riddler guys there. They wouldn't be there. He wouldn't have had these guys hanging around and doing that. It's just nonsense. It's just weird for Riddler to have goons right now when he's off doing his own stuff without his own goons. But I mean, that's not a Poison Ivy goon. That's just no. a girl who must just like Poison Ivy and wants to cause some chaos. But where would you, what, what is this, an Evite? Anybody who likes to, you know, kill people dressed up as somebody. Come on, it's just for this big wow moment. I'm a Leatherface goon. I'm a Jason Voorhees goon. I'm telling you, you show up, you think it's a Juggalo convention. You're there killing people and doing your thing. All of a sudden, I you see Fago, everybody. And Fago is like shoved into the guy's mouth and taped up so he drowns the in Fago. Red oh, with red yeah, really, it'd be crazy. But really, if you if you want to ask me what the this feels like a leftover idea from like something like the jokes and riddles. It felt very jokes and riddles to me. The idea where at one point they were there. Remember they had that big showdown in the park, all that. And it just doesn't that didn't make sense. This. Either. No, it never does. And then even at the point where Catwoman's there with Riddler and they're in this house where they've, you know, tied up and bound That's and fine. gagged things. I'm saying though, this is again, the Catwoman who's doing really bad things again that, he had him say that she didn't do back in the day, but now has been. Well, it turns out that Catwoman's a liar and just a bad person all around. The one thing that we liked about her previously in Tom King's run turns out it was just a fucking lie. Yeah, and at least, I mean, this is supposed Wind to be ding. this is supposed to be full in continuity. Uh, but yeah, it's very odd, very odd indeed. But yeah, I like Agent Fuck that he said. And even that, like, you're joking around. Riddler's like, whoop, whoop, whoop. He's getting the hell out of there. Ah, uh, but Batman was coming with the help, and then, you know, the help's just standing around and goes after the cat woman's and loses the eyes, whatever. But what would you, uh, the art, here's the thing is, the art is really good, but I don't even, even pay attention to it because the story is so 
heavy with this descriptions of character names and things like that. Well, that that's I the think thing. The I, just started, I, I just started skipping all that and just looking at the pretty pictures because it, the, the narration wasn't telling me dick. Yeah, I think the art gets lost in some of these. And even then. Once I was like the third page of them doing this panel after panel, people dying. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to skip ahead until we get to something. We talked about stuff in even the human target where, you know, Tom can get some really awesome artists. But then in the script, it must say, OK, draw me a empty parking lot. Then draw me one bus, then draw me two, then draw me three. That's a whole page of an artist that it took a lot of time in doing that. But is that what we needed from this? Just seeing buses pull in, which we already knew. And I thought that it was a better play of when they were announcing the buses to Espinosa. Like, we got one. Oh, we got two. Oh, we got three. Like, that was better than just seeing this narration heavy deal. But uh yeah what would you give it i like the art a lot in this i think the story is a freaking mess and like there are some like you know brief moments of things that i don't mind about it but overall it's not a book that i enjoy one issue left i can't wait to finish this series so we never have to talk about it again five out of ten yeah i'm a four it's a disappointment the idea that this was going to be fun maybe you like seeing people get knives in the head and i do i watch horror movies all the time but it's not fun here yeah it's not fun and, and also like did you have to explain when everybody dies that, you know, it's he really is really into telling you that fathers and mothers of kids are dead. He, he constantly does that in a lot of the things that he does. But how are you going to feel bad about Steve Andreski? You like Steve Andreski, do you? Like, Obviously. these are just thrown in. Rachel Stadler, Stradler. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah, she's got a 16-gauge umbrella gun. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah. Give me one of those. So that is it. That is it for the... Thank God it's Friday episode, which does end up giving us a heck of a lineup for this week's show. The show hits five the, big old yeah, books, hits the regular feed on the old Sunday night. But if you want to get early access Saturday, you can join up on the Patreon for as little as a dollar to get that. And then each level you get more and more shows as they go on and hit. But yeah, we have some big ones, including, I mean, it should be the real big one Dark Crisis number two. We have Chip Zdarsky's. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. DC versus Vampires number seven. The regular series is back, folks. You have uh, the Joker number 15, the finale, and Flashpoint Beyond number three. Yeah, and I saw some people more and more as it's like hanging that they have some problems with that Chip Zdarsky Batman. I have not read it yet, so we'll have to see what we think of that, but some pretty big books. So, yeah. And yeah, finally, the DC versus Vampires back to the regular run of it and not just one shots but yeah you tune Don't in worry, on folks. sunday we'll get back night to the one shots yeah we will we have one in a couple of weeks and it's referenced see this i'm i told you when i was reading it like why do they keep doing this like hey see this that comes out in three weeks oh great thanks a lot dc but yeah we have all those going on and more and more and more including as we said the patreon spotlight while we talked about the multiversity Teen, is it Teen Justice? Teen Justice, yeah, number teen two. Teen Justice, number two, and Nubia Queen of the Amazons, number two as well. So you go over to patreon.com slash weird science, get that, all of the links for anything. Weird science is in the show notes in the campsite bios. So you can click on that and get all sorts of things. But that's it. We're done, Eric. What do we say at the end of the TGIF episode? In a world full of chimps, always make sure you go ape. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. <laughs> Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.